Howdy everyone, Steven here with a brief note before this episode. We recorded it almost two years ago, uh, a year after John and I sat down to reveal his deconversion from Christianity to the world. And this was sort of intended as a year-on follow-up episode from that conversation. It's a really good show, and I'm sorry that it has sat in my archives until now. Stick with it. Gets good about ten minutes in, and I hope John isn't too sore at me for sitting on it for this long. And so without further ado, please enjoy Deconversion 2. Hello everyone, welcome in one to Bad Philosophy. I'm your host, Stephen Torrance. It has been about a year since we interviewed Austin writer John Fortenbury about his deconversion from Christianity to something else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we thought it would be interesting, or rather I and John thought it would be interesting to, uh, to bring John back and uh, talk a little bit about what his last year has been like since the, this rather significant shift in um, ontological in, in uh, let's just say shift in belief. <laughs> yes. um, let's not bring ontology into this because who knows what exists anyway, right? Um, all right. So, John, welcome back to Bad Philosophy. Thanks. It's good to be back. Let's let's start with some lighter fare. Um, what have you been up to in the in the intervening year, just to f- provide folks some context? Uh, from a religious standpoint, or no, no, no just like like in in general, person? you've you've still been writing, I I presume. Yes, I, I've been writing, started writing for some bigger publications mm-hmm. like uh, The Atlantic, and I've been traveling, went to Europe for a month, went to New York City and San Diego and Vegas, and emptied my bank account. Hmm. I'm still suffering from that a little bit, but it's all good. And um, it's, it's no longer empty, I, I presume. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was yeah. empty at the time. Hmm. Not fully empty, but... It felt like, like it. truly empty of all assets. Like you, you <laughs> literally did not have a penny to your name. <laughs> all right, all right, fine. You're right. I'm misusing the word empty. Yeah, come on. It's a phrase, you sure. know. <laughs> so I emptied your bank account. Went to Vegas. Um, you've still been writing for the Atlantic, um, mm-hmm. USA Today, College, mm-hmm. Austin.com, and soon to be Forbes. Mm. One of your recent pieces examined... Oh, congratulations, by the way. Uh, the, the story about how you got the, the job at Forbes is is potentially interesting. I don't know if you feel like sharing it here, but... Uh, they email me out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, pretty much the, that's pretty much the story. There's like, we need we need that guy. We need that, mm. that John Fortenberg guy. Just, yeah. just get him. Just get him. <laughs> yeah. Spare no expense. <laughs> they didn't... They did, they did spare some expense. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I hope not. I hope they're they're going to pay you like, well, Fortune 500 CEO level salary. You know, because yeah. you're worth it. But that would be sparing expense. Hmm. That would be sparing no expense. Oh. If you spare an expense, it means you didn't spend something that you could have, and so they, by sparing no expense, they they would like spend a all of their money on you just like you did when you emptied your bank account yeah i hope they empty their bank account on me awesome yes (laughs) we do too um (laughs) well so so i i've read some of your pieces recently um you had one kind of examining the the phenomenon of cuddle parties yeah you saw that yeah yeah i didn't know if you saw that we discussed it a little bit um 
outside of outside of uh, the context of Facebook, but it it was fascinating to me just just because I've been if if our listeners recall, I've just been on sort of this psycho spiritual quest recently, I guess, to find you know genuine authentic relationships with people, and uh, there are a lot of avenues for that, and it it seems to be a, a just a booming industry. Um, well, not booming yet, but a, a growing industry. There seem to be groups that are trying to bring that together. So you, you drove up to Dallas to participate in one of these yes. groups, this cuddle party. Yes, because there aren't any in Austin. I don't know why. Hmm. Well, I mean, there isn't a facilitator here. Right. So if someone here would go to New York and train, then there could be a cuddle party in Austin. So that's that's a wake-up call for all you it's very interesting. Like, so, so New York tends to be the hub for these things. Like the the Ohm, the Orgasmic Meditation Group, is their training is also in New York City. Like, it, why 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 New York City for for these sorts of trainings for these movements? Uh, I don't know. I <laughs> do all of the do all of like the 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 leaders of these movements just live in New York City and then just sort of disseminate their uh, information and technique out of the big apple mm-hmm. i don't know i'd have to think about it more before i comment yeah. i don't want to say something i'd regret yeah that would suck i have 150 episodes of saying things that i regret and i don't <laughs> regret that <laughs> nice i think that makes sense um <laughs> yeah kind of go back and listen to the archives of bad philosophy everybody if you haven't already there's some there's some things in there that that you could definitely blackmail me with. Listen to all 150. All 154, one five, six or so of them. Yeah, in a single weekend. <laughs> yeah, you could probably do that if you sped them up to three x, but <laughs> not any other way. <laughs> that's uh, well, no. Well, let's see. That's each one is about an hour, and there've been 150 episodes. So even at three x, you're mm-hmm. still looking at 50 hours. You could barely do them in a weekend. It'd be like a long weekend. Like you start on a Friday evening <laughs> and start day. listening and then don't go to sleep for 48 hours. <laughs> Just take some time off from work. Yep. <laughs> Damn. That, hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I might actually do that at some point <laughs> when I'm retired. Uh, anyways, we're, we're here to, yeah, the follow-up thing. So, so John... Aside from the writing and aside from, from the research you've been doing as part of this, what has it been like living as a non-Christian for a year? Well, should we give a little bit of backstory um, just in case they don't go back and listen to the last episode? We, we highly encourage you to go back. It's a short episode. Listen to episode 139, Deconversion. Um, and it, I just got really sad that we've only done just over an episode a month since then. Yeah. Yeah. that. That's pretty bad. <laughs> or it just it is is that's that's bad philosophy these days. So please li- re-listen to the episode if you don't have time though to remind you. John was you were a Christian pretty much your whole life. You raised a Christian. Raised and... a Christian. <clears throat> started um, having lots of doubts. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> experimented with alcohol. A phrase that you thought was funny. Yes, <laughs> because. <laughs> Alcohol is like coffee. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. you don't experiment with it, really. Like you just, you just you you either drink it or you don't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but, but uh, yeah. went, went through years of doubt, and I don't know. Two and a half years ago, I was really like, okay, I really need to investigate this, see what I believe, because I doubt way more than everyone else. It seems like, 
So I started researching and came across some compelling arguments against Christianity, and I left Christianity like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And you interviewed me like seven months after my official deconversion. Oh, okay. So really, you've been deconverted for like almost two years. Yeah. And some... some The better part of two years. <laughs> sometimes I do question if I really lost my faith years ago and didn't recognize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think my faith pre-turning 16 was significantly different than post-16. Hmm. When I, when I didn't doubt before 16 and then when I doubted after, so... There could be an argument. Are you sure that wasn't just puberty? <laughs> <laughs> or that, or that whatever happening. happens in your teenage years? That was happening, too. I yeah. did grow a couple inches in that year. Yeah. <laughs> the last time I grew. So I think, yeah, a little, little bit of hormones and a little bit of um, healthy skepticism from the outside mm-hmm. at age 16. But yeah, been um, officially deconverted for about a year and a half. This is a year later since... Almost exactly a year later, mm-hmm. July 20th, and now it's July 26th, you said? Yeah. Almost exactly a year later, and everyone's wondering how it's been. <laughs> and so, how has it been? Has your life been dramatically different? Have your friends all left you? Have you gotten <laughs> different friends? Have you gotten hate comments on all of your articles? Like... <laughs> well, actually, I haven't written on religion in a really long time. Okay. Yeah, not even... Yeah, almost no Facebook statuses, definitely no blogs Mm -hmm. in the last year. I'm writing a religion article right now for The Atlantic, but it relates to health. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I don't think I really lost any friends in the last year. Any friends that I lost was in the very beginning of the deconversion. Um, I did have some uncomfortable conversations with friends about Christianity in the last year. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes that would last for a few hours where they were trying to convert me back. Yeah, what's, what sort of questions were they a- asking you? I don't want to throw out any names, but a couple people had me in a room at once. and um, <laughs> like, like an intervention? <laughs> <laughs> it seemed, it kind of seemed like that. Yeah. Although I willfully went over there mm-hmm. for some reason not expecting it. And... They, I don't know. But like, what else could it be possibly be about, right? <laughs> they were asking me questions, but all their questions like assumed Christianity was true. Oh. And I was just like, well, I don't agree with the premise. So they were like, I don't know, stuff like, well, I mean, if everyone saw the resurrected Jesus, why don't you believe in the resurrected Jesus? Stuff like that. And it's oh. like, but I don't think he was resurrected. But I don't, th- yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like... <laughs> Almost, yeah, you, you start talking past each other at some point. <laughs> I feel like, but I was truly, I, okay, I don't want to be like arrogant or anything, but I was truly hearing them out and mm-hmm. and giving them some of the benefit of the doubt, but they weren't coming halfway hmm. to where's, where they were like, maybe my belief system is false. Maybe we should meet somewhere halfway. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like totally, I don't think it's totally possible to like put aside presuppositions completely mm-hmm. to where both people start with like a blank slate. But you could at least try to meet somewhere in the middle, assume a couple things, and then talk from there. Yeah. But I've had some conversations recently where that didn't happen. But I've also had conversations with Christians who did meet me halfway, and those were much more beneficial to me. But Do you think they were beneficial to them? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, what sort of Christians are we talking here? Like, it, you know, the, were they trying to save you? Were they trying to bring you back? And then by it not ending up with that outcome, was it a failure for them? Or did they get something out of it just by engaging you? I guess these were the Christians that weren't really trying to win me back, or at least they didn't present it that way. Mm-hmm. So maybe, yeah, the good conversations I had were just conversations about religion with mm. Christians. Sometimes they would get a little bit like apologetic, mm-hmm. philosophical, and argue their side, but it wasn't like well, just people saw the resurrected Jesus. Why don't you believe? It wasn't like something like exactly. that. Exactly. This it wasn't like you're going to hell. Did like you this. see the sunrise this morning? Why don't you believe there's a sun? <laughs> yeah. 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 I I don't think that was the sun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so so there have been some conversations engaging with Christians. Have you have you engaged with any other atheists, agnostics about your deconversion since? Has that really come up in any secular conversations? Yeah, definitely, but not as much actually. I talk about religion less now than ever. Hmm. I also think about it less than ever, and I've heard people say that that eventually it fades. Yeah. So I'm not as interested as I used to be, um, but do you feel like you're missing something, right? Like, do do you feel do you feel a lack of spiritualism in, in like a broad sense? Do you feel a lack of like a moral center? You know, a lot there's a belief that you can't have a moral life without the tenets of the Bible, right, or without the decrees of God. Have you found yourself living an immoral life, John? <laughs> As a I don't, and, think and so. I mean, we're being we're being kind of coy about this since we're we're both agnostic slash atheists now. But I, I mean, I'm asking the question seriously. Like, have you have you had moments where you're like, I really wish that I ju- I could just like look up somewhere what to do in this circumstance. No, that hasn't mm-hmm. happened. But there have been moments where I would worry about something and then be like, Is this punishment? Like, that happens. And I've heard that that happens to other people who deconvert. Huh. It might never fully go away. Like, some people... That, like, like, fear of, of, of punishment from some higher power. Yeah. The feeling of sinfulness. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, like, ha- ha- you know, I've had a couple, like, medical tests this year. Hmm. And I've... A couple times I've been like, wow, am I being, maybe this is actually like a sign from above, but then I'll really quickly combat that. Like, no, that doesn't make sense. Hmm. But I'll have a few split seconds where I think that. And actually I had a dream yesterday, no, two nights ago where it happened in the dream. Hmm. So should I go through the dream real fast? It's not that long. Yeah, go for it. Okay. (laughs) So um, my car gets stolen. I walk outside my front door, notice my car is not there. I press the button. And I hear it, and it's next door, so I walk next door, and there's some huge empty lot, and I see my car and a couple kids kind of in it, like, laughing. So I walk toward it, and it just vanishes, and then it reappears, like, 10 feet ahead, and I was like, what? And then at that point, I was like, well, I mean, that doesn't make sense, so I guess there's a god. So, and then I'm talking to some older guy who's nearby, and I was like, this means there's a god, right? And he's like, yeah, that's what it means. And then I (laughs) (laughs) I I start wondering, like, well... This is like a sign, you know, how do I live my life from now on? 
And then, like, so I start walking toward the car again, and then it vanishes again and <laughs> appears 10 feet ahead. It's kind of like the equivalent of, like, when your friend's, like, messing around, and he's like, no, no, get in. And you try to get in, and he, like, dries a little bit. And he's yeah. like, no, seriously, now get in. So I had that dream, divine uh, messing with me. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, in the dream, I was like, this is, like, this is, like, a punishment. This is God saying, I don't know, come back to me. Or something like that and i woke up and i was just like but, you'll never, but you can't catch me as <laughs> yeah. hard as you try you'll never be able to catch me <laughs> yep some people would say that's how god is <laughs> it's it's not unlike the myth of tantalus where he's like standing in the stream he's cursed to stand in the stream and uh there's like an apple above him that's dangling just out of reach and whenever he reaches for it the branch gets higher and Oh, the stream water below him, whenever he um, leans down to take a drink, um, like flows away from him, from his feet. Wow, that sounds horrible. Yeah, it's, uh, as most Greek, Greek myths, um, beautiful and incredibly tragic and terrifying. Um, so so that I, I don't know, I, I am not an expert in dream interpretation by any means. I think, I think it's a, well, I mean, the Jungians out there would argue that there is a, a consistent way to interpret dreams, but... I think you whatever meaning you want to draw from it is it's pretty it's pretty flexible. I mean, did did you wake up thinking the same things that you did in the dream? Like, oh yeah. well, that means there's a god, and like, did you just think that? Oh man, my brain is strange. Like, <laughs> yeah, more just like my brain's strange. Mm. Even when I was Christian, I didn't really take give that much weight to dreams. Hmm. I was just like, this probably reflects what I, my subconscious is thinking, and nothing beyond that. It's not like God's trying to reach me through a dream. Yeah. Even though I guess in the Bible there are times when like God speaks to them through dreams, but yeah, I have I mean I have a lot of crazy dreams, but I don't give that much weight to them on a bigger level. But I think it did show that I still have that mindset somewhere deep down. Like, I it's hard it's hard to explain it. Like, well, like there might be a God who's trying to punish me. I think it's just. When you're raised that way, yeah, it never fully goes away for some people. Yeah, even if you reject <laughs> it philosophically, intellectually, mm-hmm. something's still we, there. We don't ha- that, and this is this is getting into a little bit of, of what I've been exploring. Like, we don't really have complete rational control over thought over feelings, right? We we may mm-hmm. have control over thoughts to some extent, but feelings have an incredible influence, and it's it's like you know our, our thoughts and our mind are kind of the the foam on the surface of the ocean and what causes the waves in the first place, you know, they can be manipulated by the winds above and, and by boats on the surface and such. But what causes those waves and the overall movement of the, the currents underneath are the movements of, of the water deep, deep, deep down below the surface. And I feel like the, the channels and the, you know, the eddies and the mountains of your, you know, your deep, deep intellectual, um, seascape down down underneath the surface were established by Christianity very very long ago. Like you were sort of shaped that way, and so as much as you can sort of use water jets on the surface of your mind to kind of redirect these things, there's going to be a tendency for a very long time to to think in certain ways, and you're going to have to kind of you know either dredge up those depths or you know slowly erode them. And the dredging is is often a, a very painful and difficult process that involves a lot of hard drugs. Um, <laughs> and the, the, like, the long and slow erosion way just takes a lot of awareness and mindfulness of 
you know, what, what's coming up at any point, you know, what's coming up in your dreams, noticing that you're feeling that, that kind of compulsion toward, you know, oh, I'm being punished and, and, you know, framing it that way, almost without thought, right? It's, it's those, those things that come up without you considering them, the, the reactions, right? The, the feelings, the, the gut feelings. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I haven't tried to do anything about it yet. I've just recognized every now and then it happens. Mm. It's not so regular to where I'm like, I need to like bring this up to a therapist and we need to get this out of me. Yeah. But it does happen sometimes and especially in dreams. I don't think you'll be able to get it out of you though, John. Like it's, it really <laughs> is, it really is deeply part of you. And so I, I, I guess what I'm most curious about is, is over this year, have you, have you still found it possible to, to live, you know, pretty comfortably, pretty happily? Like, are you, are you generally better off than like emotionally than you were beforehand like before i be converted yeah hmm have you i think i am but i think it's only because like of secular things really so there's been like other factors that you that were influencing you before well so other other factors that would influence you to be happier than than merely the deconversion right yeah, like, you know, I go to therapy, mm-hmm. and I'm very self-aware. I'm always trying to better myself. So I think it's those secular actions that have made my emotions better mm. than maybe deconverting. But I I was, there were a lot of times when I was Christian that Christianity made me sad. Mm. And I think it did contribute to, like, depression for a long time. Mm. And now that's gone. I mean... What I mean by that is, like, I would get really sad about non-Christian friends going to hell hmm. to the point where it was hard to hang out with them because that's what I would think of. Hmm. And I would either think that and be sad or I would kind of be like, well, maybe it's not true and, and then, like, be able to hang out with them okay. Or, yeah. or I would just drink and, like, not think about it anyway. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, there were definitely times when I was sad about christian claims about hell and the end times Mm -hmm. and how bad of a person i was that's that's a theme in christianity kind of is like just sort of beat you down into this this shell of a of a human being that you know you you must submit to this higher power in order to have any agency whatsoever like you know all your agency sort of depends on this external force otherwise you're just the phrase is totally depraved. Yeah, depraved. All you can do is sinful things all the time. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, morally corrupt, wicked, yeah. A depraved indifference to human life. Wow, you searched that really fast. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Mac OS 10 definitions. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel the same. I mean, you're, you're welcome to the secular world. <laughs> um, what I've found is kind of the, the next major hurdle to get over is where do you start finding foundational beliefs, right? Like, do you find them in science? Do you find them in, you know, your own mind and your understanding thereof? Do you find them in your relationships with other people? Do you find them in, you know, work? Like, what do you, what do you sort of find the most fulfilling and compelling and driving forces of your life now that God is not that? Well, I, I feel like I was a good person despite Christianity type of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't, well, okay, let's just say not a bad person. 
I, I don't want to say a good person per se. Well, ah, th- see, this is the Christianity coming exactly. out of me. Well, I, I think even the conceptualizations of a good and bad person, well, they don't come from Christianity, but like that's, I, I really don't believe there are good or bad people. There are good or bad actions, and we all have the capability of good or bad actions. And we, we have tendencies toward one or the other, and maybe the tendencies are what you can use to call someone a good or a bad person, whether they tend toward good or bad actions. Um, but I, I, I would encourage you to get away from that conception, that, that moral conception of a good, you are a good person or a bad person. Because once yeah. you're a good person, boy, infallibility and immunity to criticism follow real close behind that one. <laughs> and once you're a bad person, yeah. it's just like, you know, oh, I'm a bad person, downward spiral, spiral, spiral. At most, I think that should have like a, a time limit of, oh, I was a, kind of a bad person today, or, oh, I was a pretty good person today, or this hour, <laughs> you know? and then yeah. sort of average it out over those. That makes more sense. Yeah. But I mean, I think back to times in my life where I made a choice, and I wasn't like, oh, what what would, what does the Bible say about this? Because a lot of times it just seemed like obvious and i don't know if it's because i was raised christian it was just so deeply in me or if my parents just raised me right hmm. or I'm, i was just able to reason through like what the right thing a good action was but i guess i haven't really thought that much about the basis of my own morality since deconverting i've just hmm. done things that seemed right and reasoned through them or something like that what seemed right that i caught that phrase i mean I, I would posit that the moral framework that was put there by your Christian upbringing is still there. Like that's that's still deeply held, and it, it's kind of automatic for you. Yeah, that's so. What, true. Even at the surface level, if you don't believe in God, like that, the the tendencies toward different actions that come out of a belief in God are still there <laughs> but do we but then it gets into the question do we need the belief in god to be good well clearly not right like you still have those tendencies yeah sans faith in in a, a being called god yeah but you did say it might come from that foundation maybe in your what but i i think that's true for you i don't i i think that we're maybe asking two questions here mm-hmm. like is that true just for is that true in your case or is that true in all cases i i think it's totally possible to establish that moral framework in many different ways for yeah. you it just happened to have been done through christianity right yeah okay that makes sense that's kind but, of normative ethics i guess yeah i mean i don't know because you know like in maybe five or ten years i want to like be a parent and then i'll be laying that foundation on a secular level and i haven't seen that done before god right and <laughs> so i still curse by god it's funny um but right right like how are you going to establish that yeah because i don't know from a christian level we just be like well god said so here's the bible yeah and then the kids believe it but secular level i don't know maybe i'll talk to some of my secular friends yeah and i think um I think empathy can be a, a solid foundation. You know, rather than fear of punishment driving one to act in a certain way, anticipation of the like the warm feeling of reward or anticipation of reciprocity or just anticipation of, of the creation of joy in another human being 
is can be like a, like a positive incentive rather than a, a you know an incentive versus a disincentive to act in a certain way yeah so like raising your kids it can be like you know don't you want to create happiness in the world like <laughs> there does have to be some rather discipline than and punishment don't you not want to be punished by me <laughs> or by god or whatever yeah that but then that gets into questions about punishment punishing or disciplining your kid well and, and how much more powerful physical discipline and, and punishment are than than the positive incentives yeah for shaping but, behavior yeah but I don't know. I don't know if little kids can fully reason without discipline sometimes, hmm. or if, if they're lashing out. I don't know if you can just be like use reason on them from the empathy standpoint. I don't know. Not yeah, this yet. is this is straying into <laughs> into other territory. <laughs> it um, is. It is. Well, so I guess to to kind of wrap it up here, like practically speaking you have totally been able to get by fine as a you know member of the secular world yeah right? <laughs> i think so i hope so i went to church for the first time a couple weeks ago for the first time all year what <laughs> what <laughs> what is there a question here yeah why oh yeah i some friends invited me i kind of wanted to see them see their baby so i was like sure i'll go to church with them and and you could only do that at church <laughs> it just seemed like a quick convenient way to do it i don't know i wasn't mm. i was just like i've been to church before every now and then the sermon's entertaining at least might as well do it but yeah, i mean it's just one drink <laughs> but it was i don't know i'm treating of, this like you you kicked an addiction <laughs> it was sort of it was sort of tor torture it was the, what the, was torturous about it um First off, like worship music is usually terrible, at least today, these days. Music wise. Y yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I had to suffer through several songs and, you know, watching people raise their hands and stuff like that, which is always weird. Yeah. And then the sermon was also weird and very flawed philosophically. And it wasn't that intellectual or that interesting. It was just really, it was odd. It was one of the strangest sermons, but yeah and i was just so happy when it was over and i could just hang out with my friends mm. but yeah I'm, I'm probably gonna suggest hanging out outside of church from now on yeah yeah i mean it's it's sort of like i don't know i i was kind of thinking of because i'm reading infinite jest right now and there's just lots of descriptions of, of alcoholics anonymous and the whole process of, of drug recovery and all, all i could think of was just like Oh, that was the equivalent of let's say you were an alcoholic and hmm. you've been sober for a year, and then your friends are like, "Yeah, come just come come to the bar, come have a drink, <laughs> you know. We'll hang out afterwards, but well, you know, come have a drink with us, you know." And maybe and just sort of you were like, "Well, I mean, it's just one drink, but I didn't take a drink though." So I mean, maybe so did, if did, I were went, you just like sitting down the entire service. I mean, like when everyone stood, I would stand, but I wasn't like singing and worshiping. And really like letting the message hit me. So okay. I feel like in that example, I would just be like, oh, I guess I can hang out with them at the bar. I don't have to drink. Right. And then realizing <laughs> it's kind of miserable, like not drinking around people who are drinking. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> something, yeah. something like that. But did you yeah. feel any compulsion to raise your hands or? No. Yeah. In you fact, felt sort of a revulsion. Yeah, well, I guess was, that's good. Then. It was yeah. sort of <laughs> an interesting thing because I went to church last year a couple times mm -hmm. and it was not nearly the level of like torture as it was this time this time i was just like this is so weird and foreign and huh. not 
interesting. But last year I was like, I don't agree with this, but at least it's interesting. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was just like the sermon wasn't intellectual or maybe I've just, I don't know. It's become more and more foreign over time. I'm not sure. Yeah. The farther you get from it, the more foreign it feels. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true of anything. I, I don't think that's unique to this, but it was just such a part of your life for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And I still know how to play that game. I still know how to say the Christianese that gets people not assuming I'm non-Christian. <sighs> but that's a dangerous, dangerous <laughs> area to be in where where you know you're playing the game. <laughs> yeah. It's more criticism of them that they can't figure it out because they have that verse oh you know them by the fruits we should be able to know if a christian saved and stuff like that yeah then again (laughs) (laughs) um and and i'm being i'm gonna be oddly apologetic here like there there are there are kind of two kinds of christians i think there are the kind you're discussing who are whatever like too stupid to figure it out like don't don't question themselves enough and you know still believe in god because they just never never really looked at it too deeply. And then there are those that did or do constantly and find some sort of like deeper value in it. It's, it becomes a meta game at that point. It becomes, I'm doing all of these things for the good of the people who haven't done that self-criticism, right? I, I want to keep up the illusion because it's or maybe not even the illusion. Like I want to keep playing this game because it's a good game to play. Yeah. Right. There's some sort of, they find some sort of deeper moral foundation there and like maybe a more mature God. Right. Um, I've heard this from some folks that like, you know, you sort of come, you go out and then you come back around and like, really it's just as good as anything else. And actually kind of better in some cases because damn churches have a lot of money. And damn, they have some nice buildings. And damn, they have like a really good supportive community that really doesn't exist in the secular world unless you're in a really lucky place. Like there's there's sort of all of these benefits to being part of the Christian faith in the United States that you don't get if you're if you're just like hardline atheist. <laughs> that was that was a minority of Christians I met really? that I know who can fully see it that way and still believe it at the same time but see some sort of yeah there's like the belief in the meta belief there's the belief that you're that there's the belief that you believe (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I, yeah i guess so so maybe i'm just having too much faith in christians (laughs) (laughs) well no i I don't know yeah i i'm not anti-christian you're a friendly atheist (laughs) i don't even i don't even want that term atheist but i'm not anti because i don't think it's fully accurate of me okay yeah agnostic somewhere between agnostic and deist Mm. secular was the best term you can use Hmm. deist is in god exists but he just doesn't give a crap about us (laughs) i think it's a possibility (laughs) yeah (laughs) he just kind of set the universe on its way and went off to do way more interesting things (laughs) and we are here living with the consequences it's possible Hmm. yeah certainly is and unfalsifiable too yep 
Well, John, thank you. I think we're, uh, we've gone about through the topic. Um, you so. are soon to be writing for Forbes. Yes. Um, we will post links to a few of your favorite articles um, if you send those to me uh, in the show notes for this episode. Thanks. It's not going to be philosophical, though. That's okay. Okay. We just want <laughs> folks to find what you've, uh, what you've done out there on the interwebs for mm-hmm. a living. Hey, <laughs> kudos for making a living as a writer. Thanks. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm certainly not making a living as a philosopher. <laughs> One day. One day, maybe. <laughs> uh, well, you no. kind of have to get like a PhD and be at a university to make a living as a philosopher usually. Yeah, or you just you become An something else. Yeah, and you're still a philosopher, but you're also other things. I think that's that's pretty much always what happens to philosophers. There's very few who make a living as being a just, just a philosopher. <laughs> yeah, because what would that look like? Just having conversations with people? I don't know. I you have to write something. At the very least, you're writing books. Yeah, writing. Um, just you know, doing a lot of things, fleshing out concepts. Um, if someone pays you to like speak about it, sure. surfing on the waves, man. <laughs> That's how that goes. Yep. Well, thank you for joining us, John. Thanks for having me. Where can folks find you on the interwebs? Twitter.com/slash John Writes. J O N W R i-t-e-s john writes and also john com, right yes but i'm very much changing that up but okay. also have the domain i just need to figure out a different host and all this stuff oh uh, which i'll probably talk to you about after yep, this no worries <laughs> all right <laughs> that's what i do and yeah. uh i'm steven torrance you can follow me on s twitter.com slash s-t-o-r-r-e-n-c-e you can follow all of our streams at badphilosophy.com, facebook.com slash badphilosophy. Subscribe on iTunes, Instacast, uh, whatever podcatcher you like. We're here roughly once a month, sometimes a little bit more frequently. And we thank you for joining us and listening to this episode. We'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy.